It's on the back. In fact, I was talking to the women who were making coffee and they said, oh, you put your whole sermon on the back of the, oh no, it's not the whole. I got way more than that to say, but there's a lot of good stuff on the back that you can follow along. So um, 51 weeks from, t- from, t- uh, from today, uh, we will have a federal election. And one of the things we all need to be thinking about is how are we going to survive this election year? Because I find people get agitated, frustrated, mad, cynical, all kinds of things. So what I want to encourage you in light of that is to prepare in advance to be resilient through this year and interpret everything, including elections, through the cross of Christ. Put on a mindset, put on a way of seeing that sees Jesus and Jesus' purpose in everything. But I'm going to apply it to elections, but the truth of the matter is it applies to everything. Every area of your life would be better off if you had the mindset of Christ and interpreted it through the cross. Let me show you that by reading to you Galatians 6.14. It says, may I never boast. Think about things you might boast in, in a positive way. You know, I don't mean a negative boast. Uh, may I never boast except in the Christ, cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul's going, the only thing that I boast about is the cross of Christ. In other words, his mindset, his emotions, his perspective has been changed so he interprets everything through the cross. You know, uh, you think of things that you might boast of. I, last, uh, on last Sunday, I was speaking at Woodridge and there's a couple that attended. They both went to Oklahoma State. And this might not, uh, you might not be aware of this, but last weekend, was the last of the rivalry games between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And the wonder of it is Oklahoma State won. So it'd be like if I'm looking at you back in the back row, kind of back there, and our eyes uh, hit eyes, and he knew right away what, what I was thinking. I walked over to him. He said, I don't care what happens the rest of the year. Problems, difficulties, anything. It's a banner year because Oklahoma State won. In other words, his boast is about that team that he has loyalty to. And it, uh, in effect, interprets his emotions, the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he operates. Well, that's what can happen in our life if we allow the cross of Christ to be the way that we interpret all life. But remember, this cross of Jesus Christ was a hideous form of capital punishment that the Romans invented and it literally terrorized the world. The worst thing that could happen to you would be to be hung on a cross and die that slow agonizing death. Yet Paul goes because of the cross all of sin all of shame and all of guilt is put to death and human beings can come from a state where they were dead to the things of God, dead to real life, and come alive to God. 
And through the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit put in our life so that we can know life in an, an absolutely different way. So Paul's going, I interpret everything through what Jesus did. I interpret everything through the eternal God who right now is at work in my life and it can allow me to be an eternal creature even on this earth. Um, uh, famous pastor uh, Tim Keller uh, died this last year and he's written many books. So probably over the next 20 years, you'll, you'll hear Dallas Willard quotes, C.S. Lewis quotes, and Tim Keller quotes all the time. Because just about every pastor reads what he says, and we love it. Listen to what he says about Galatians 6.14. The gospel is offensive to liberal-minded people who charge the gospel with intolerance because it states that the only way to be saved is through the cross. The gospel is offensive to conservative-minded people because it states without the cross, good people are in as much trouble as bad people. Ultimately, the cross is offensive because the cross stands against all schemes of self-salvation. The world appreciates religion and morality in general. The world thinks that the moral religion is a good thing for society, but the world, the society as a whole, is offended by the cross. So people who love the cross are persecuted. And then he concludes by saying, the cross is by na very nature offensive. You know what I, I learned I have to do? I, I have to let any area of my life, how I think, how I feel, my marriage, my, my uh, finances, my uh, relationships with friends, um, my uh, political views be reinterpreted by the power of the cross and there's this offense that comes from the cross. It's not necessarily the way I was raised. It's not necessarily the easiest way for me to look at things. It's, it's not something that I can naturally do in my own power. But when you let the cross of Christ offend you, what ends up happening is you start to see life in all the vivid colors that God intends. I, in fifth grade, I was, uh, I had done pretty well in school up until fifth grade. And then in fifth grade, my grades were really slipping. And uh, my uh, mom was talking to the teacher and the teacher said, well, maybe, maybe he needs glasses. And so she took me to the eye doctor. They go, oh yeah, the kid needs glasses. And we ordered the glasses. I went back down for the fitting. I put the glasses on and we walked out. And I, I can remember, I saw in this big building, it said Benson Pencils. And I, I never had been able to see that in the last year. It was vivid and bold and bright. See, it's putting on a, a mind frame. It's putting on values. It's putting on a perspective that sees everything through what Jesus has done. Uh, another example in scripture of that is found in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. It gets at this idea of seeing through the cross or seeing through Jesus' sacrificial death on our behalf. 
It says there, in your relationships with one another. So Paul's trying to teach them how to have good relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same way of seeing, the same values, the, the same uh, perspective, um, the same paradigm as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. So Jesus is God. And he could have used that authority, but he humbles himself. Look at what it says in verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being found in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Paul goes, you want to learn about having a quality marriage? You want to learn to be a really great parent? You want to learn how to be a really good employer or employee? You want to learn how to have really good friends? Let the cross of Christ change your mind. About six months ago, uh, uh, a guy uh, called me, or he actually sent me an email, a guy named Andy. And he said, I love making uh, crosses. He said, could I ever make a cross? And he sent me, he had like, 12 different styles that he made crosses like this. Wood and then stained glass. And he said, could I make one? I said, yeah, you know what we'll do is we'll put it in our treasure land room because there are windows up high. The kids wouldn't be able to grab at it. And it would be a good point for them to point to the cross when they're in those classrooms. This is what I love about this cross. Is to me, it illustrates so well. What if... I always tried to see my life and see my relationships and see every part of what I do through the cross. And I didn't ever put anything between me and the cross. What's between you and the cross right now? What would it be like if you saw that through the cross? You know, if I, I see my marriage in front of the cross, I go, Darla, I, I, I think I'm probably ahead of the game of serving. I think I'm, I'm working really hard at this relationship. Are you working as hard? I, I, I'm thinking, um, could you provide me more emotional support? In front of the cross, I can think in a very self-centered and selfish way but when I see my marriage through the cross, I go, I'm, God's created me to serve you, darling. God's created me to love you. God's created me to sacrifice for, for, for you. God will give me joy when I sacrificially serve you and honor you and, and uh, help you develop into all that God wants you to be. You see the difference? What right now is in front of the cross and you just have never taken the time to go, I'm going to see it through the cross. And because of that, see it in a different way. What if you saw your job through the cross? What if you saw your parenting through the cross? What if you saw your finances through the cross? What would you see? What if you saw your politics through the cross? What would that do to you? You know, I was reflect, I have a, 
my birthday is on, uh, on Monday, and I have a brother who's 10 months younger than I am. So right now we're the same age. Uh, some people call that Irish twins. And so we always mark that time as kind of a special time. And my brother Steve was talking to me recently, and he said, he said, you know, one of the things I regret about my life is I haven't done more to help the poor and needy. And that just struck me. Because I, I, I love to give money for internships. I get, love to give money for helping people in leadership. I love to give money to help church ministries and other ministries. But then I just started looking at all the times in the gospel where it says, help the needy, feed the hungry, uh, uh, clothe the poor, visit the prisoner, care for the widow, care for the orphan. And it's changed me. It's changed how I look at life. I, that's my story. What's your story? What is something today right here that maybe you haven't really applied all of the truth of the cross and all of the power of God too. And what would it be like if instead of seeing it between you and the cross, you saw it right through the cross and saw it with new eyes, with new perspective? Well, on the back of your program, I give uh, four suggestions uh, in light of seeing elections through the cross that I think we all could apply. One is this, pray for political leaders. First Timothy 2, verses 1 to 4. I urge you, first of all, that petition, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. All, it's going, always pray and pray first. And then he goes, for kings and all those in authority, that they may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleasing God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You always are better off when you pray. And you know what I found? I have a harder time being angry about political leaders when I pray for them. When, when I start my day and I include political leaders in my prayer, I'm not as angry about them. I'm not as upset about it. Secondly, watch for anxiety and pray for peace in your mind and in your emotions. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, catch this, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, over this next year, that we're going to just be barraged by political advertisement that is intentionally designed to rile you up and get you anxious. And really, there's no way that you can hide away from it all. So what is the answer when you're feeling anxious about something, when you're feeling mad, when you get tense about something that someone says or something that you read? To pray and invite the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to literally guard your thinking to reframe your thinking and to guard your emotions again and again in so many areas of life.
I found that it powerfully works when you pray and invite God to do that. In other words, you're feeling anxious. What do you need to do? Going to counselor, that's a good idea. Going on a, a walk out in nature, that's a good idea. But if you see it through the cross, the answer is to pray that divine power, a miracle would happen in your life where even though circumstantially you should be anxious, spiritually you're not anxious because of the power of Jesus Christ guarding your mind and guarding your emotion. Third one is this. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. James 1.9 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, have you noticed this? A lot of times when people say something, the first thing they say is not what they really mean. A lot of people talk what they really think out, out loud. So somebody says something and you react to it and you respond to it. And then you start arguing about it. Well, what if instead uh, you were slow to speak and quick to listen and quick to ask questions? You know, sometimes what I do to somebody, I'll just say back exactly what they said. So I'm hearing you say that, um, you know, whatever, whatever their position is. And then they'll go, oh, did I say that? Well, that's not what I really meant. Well, tell me what you really meant. And then they start clarifying what they actually mean. And we still might disagree, but we, we won't be just riled up with each other. So many times, uh, people, as soon as someone talks, they're already forming their response. They're already, already waiting just to get what they want to say out. Instead of being slow to speak and to listen carefully for understanding. See, if you see your communication with your kids, with your spouse, with your employees, with your employer, uh, with your friends through the cross, then you'll see that I want to nurture a relationship with them where they are fully heard and fully understood. And that means that I will practice the humility of speaking less and listening more. And then the last one, and I got this from a, 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 a person who is a leading a current theologian and ethicist, a guy named Russell Moore. And he wrote, if you could do two things and two things only, he says, it would change everything. And he said, I, this is the way I'm gonna think about it this next year, this election year. Um, I will not lie and I will not empower liars, and I will not be cruel, and I will not empower cruelty. And I thought, as much as I can, that would be good advice. If I tried to tamp down lies, and I tamp down cruelty, then maybe there would be more civility in conversations about the election. But in, here's the big idea. In all of your life, what if you decided that in every area you're not going to let anything come between you and the cross and that in everything 
you will see it through the cross. I believe when you do that, you will be resilient. Your kids will be resilient because they'll gain the, the perspective of eternity. Well, let's stand up. I'm going to uh, pray for us and then we'll join in singing some beautiful songs to give praise to God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, the, the cross challenges everything. The cross says that we, we need to be forgiven literally of everything. The cross says that every one of us needs our mind and our emotions and our actions transformed. Would you powerfully apply the truth of the cross to every aspect of our way of thinking? Would you help us to take any area that we're seeing in front of the cross and humbly go, I don't want my own perspective on that. I don't want just the perspective I was raised with. I want to see that through the finished work that Jesus accomplished in his death on the cross and resurrection. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Can outshine.